Hi, this is Steve. Last week, we lost one of the greatest singers in the history of American popular music. For six decades, Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul, thrilled audiences all over the world with performances ranging from gospel and rhythm and blues to opera. Aretha was really a singer, not an actress, but her performance in John Landis's 1980 hit comedy, The Blues Brothers, is absolutely electrifying. In fact, all the musical performances in The Blues Brothers, from Ray Charles and John Lee Hooker to Cab Calloway, James Brown, and of course, The Blues Brothers themselves, are incredible. This is a comedy unlike any other, combining the great comedic chops of Belushi and Aykroyd with ridiculous car chases, big explosions, great choreography, and a must-own soundtrack. Now, I hadn't seen the Blues Brothers in a long time when I sat down to watch it yesterday, and I gotta say, I was surprised at just how good it really is. So, if you haven't seen it, visit cinephiles.net, where you can stream it through Amazon or buy the Blu-ray. So, that's the original Blues Brothers in honor of the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, this Friday on the cinephiles. Welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, its history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm wearing my black suit, my black tie, my black hat. I got my black Ray-Bans on. And I'm also a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Uh, and hi, I'm John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, uh, a host, a writer, producer here on, in Los Angeles for Collider and for uh, my own stuff as well. Uh, and uh, I am also sitting in the passenger seat with Steve, uh, wearing my uh, black uh, suit with my tie, shirt, uh, my hat, sunglasses. It's dark, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, <laughs> and it's dark, and we're wearing shades. Hit it. Um, um, I can't wait to talk about this movie, man. I'm me excited. too. I'm really sad about the reason. Yeah, well, aren't we always sad about the reason we talk yeah. about some of these, Steve? You know, we get yeah. sad because of the reason. But then again, it's almost there is almost a blessing here because we get to revisit a film that we enjoy. Absolutely. And of course, the reason we're doing this is that we lost the great Aretha Franklin, the yeah. Queen of Soul, one of the most incredible voices in popular music in in history yeah. i'm gonna say in Absolutely. the world yeah um and uh, i you know i gave me an opportunity to learn a little bit more about her That's and cool. i didn't know so much she is fascinating oh yeah um she's born in tennessee in 1942 mm -hmm. family moved to detroit she's the daughter of a very very famous uh minister named cl franklin and he was a big deal yeah um and so much of a big deal that everybody came to her house Everybody oh, came wow. to. She had Mahalia Jackson at her house. Sam Cooke was at her house. Martin Luther King Jr. was at her house. She had Barry Gordy at her house. Willie Smokey Robinson <laughs> grew up right near her and was at her house. Right. Everybody came uh, to the Franklin house, and she started singing uh, gospel. You know, pretty much it sounds like right out of the womb, and was so good that at age twelve she was already touring professionally. Wow. Yeah, and uh, her father managed her. And by age 14, she recorded her first gospel album. Hmm. By age 16, she was touring with Martin Luther King Jr. as part of his uh, civil rights church-to-church -church 
movement. Good God, wow. I mean, this is that is a remarkable thing. Um, you know, and while she's touring with Martin Luther King, she meets Harry Belafonte, she meets all the people that are involved in the civil rights movement, yeah. and she becomes associated with the civil rights movement from when she was a kid. I mean, it's just remarkable. Mm -hmm. And then, um, uh, you know, it's like when, when she was in Chicago, who'd she stay with? Well, she stayed with Mavis Staples. Yeah. So like every single person that was a part of, she, she grew up with this scene. Mm -hmm. And when, and, and the big thing that happened is when Sam Cooke went from singing gospel music to singing popular music, she said, I want to do that. Yeah. And her father, who's her manager said, great. He was all for it. He loved that kind of music. And who wanted to record her is Barry Gordy. Hmm. But <laughs> dad said, no, you're too small. Oh, and wow. So, they, so they, re they rejected Barry Gordy, even though he had been to their house and grown Insane. up with them. Yeah, well, this is just, this is like 1961. It's yeah. very beginnings of Motown. And so instead they go to Columbia Records, where she's there for five years. And she has... Wait, wait, wait. Who's too small? Barry Gordy's Barry too small? Barry Gordy is too small. Oh! She says, oh. her dad and Damn. Aretha, when she's, and she's still a kid. Yeah. You know, she's like 18 years old, yeah. says, no, no, we need the big record company. <laughs> so they I go to Columbia. That. Yeah. And, uh, and it seems like, you know, in those five years, she had songs that were hits, but they're nothing major. She, right. she was in the charts. She went into the top 40 a couple of times, but didn't have big, big hits. And then in 1965, I think, or 66, she goes to Atlantic mm -hmm. and that's when everything changes. And it seems like the big thing that changes is that she took charge of her arrangements mm -hmm. and she started playing the piano. And, uh, the first big one she recorded was, I never loved a man the way that I love you, which is great a song. great, great song. And the next thing she records is respect. Boom. And you know what? I didn't. I cannot believe I didn't know this. I didn't know that's an Otis Redding song. Yes, it is. It's on his uh, greatest hits uh, CD. If you own it or have it, yeah. And it's it's completely different. It's a completely different. It, no, Aretha's is the quintessential. Well, that's what Otis Redding said. Yeah, <laughs> your well, version, which has the R E S B E C T. Yeah. It has the socket to me. And Otis said that's her song now. Yeah, because it works on double levels. Because oh, yeah. a being a woman and b being a black yep. woman. Yeah, like that's it's just powerful. Well, and she respect. didn't intend these to be a song that has to do with the civil rights. Right. But it sure was taken that way. Yeah. And after that, you also have Think. She records A Natural Woman. Mm -hmm. And both of those, same thing. They become mm -hmm. songs that become anthems of the civil rights. And it's right around then that she gets named the Queen of Soul. Yeah, well, it makes sense. Carol King was a massive fan of uh, Natural Woman. Her, her version of it is fantastic as well. Oh, I love it. Yeah. But speaking of which... If you haven't seen Aretha's version of Natural Woman on the Kennedy Center Honors, have oh, you seen yeah. this? Yeah. Is that I'm going to say something I've never said before, which is I would like you to stop listening to the cinephiles. I would like you to go over to YouTube, do a search mm -hmm. for Aretha Franklin, Natural Woman, Kennedy Centers. Mm -hmm. I watched it again today, and I was literally bawling my eyes out. Yeah. There was something I cannot believe how powerful it is. So I'm going to take a moment for you to go off and watch that, and then you could come back. Okay, welcome back. Yeah. I I I hope you see what I saw. It is one of the most amazing vocal performances I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And this is in 2015. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yep. She is incredible. I put it on par with uh, um, Marvin Gaye's version of Yesterday, if you ever heard his oh, version yeah. of Yesterday, or uh, his version of the National Anthem at the All-Star Game for the NBA. Hmm. These are these incredible performances that move you to tears by these phenomenal singers. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, it, in the mid-70s, yeah. Aretha Franklin and a lot of the other R&B singers yeah. at the time, they fall on really hard times. Yeah, because it's, yeah, yeah, it's soul and funk and this kind of dirtier type of, of R&B, and 
she doesn't necessarily t- gravitate. Remember, this is this, her her foundation is is gospel, so her stuff wasn't about that. Well, and and popular music had moved into disco. Yeah, disco, and they didn't want to hear this kind of stuff, yeah. and that really brings us to the Blues Brothers. So I, 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 I and I, but before we get into that, I yeah. would like to ask this important question, which is: Do you remember how you first came to it? I, I'm sure I came to it. On a Saturday afternoon, one of those kinds of things, which was when it was on TV for some for whatever reason, and I watched the cut version for a very long time. Right. Yeah, and I remember I remember having a VHS copy of it, like copying it from TV onto a VHS uh, tape so that I could watch it over and over again. The music, the songs, uh, the performances by Belushi, because by that time I'd be I'd become a Belushi fan from SNL. So I remember seeing stuff with him. So Animal House, uh, Blues Brothers, and then uh, uh, 1941, which was right. terrible, and then whatever else uh, he did there before he passed. A continent. I even saw that uh, Neighbors terrible movie. That Neighbors he did. and Continental Divide. The Continental Divide, right? Yeah. Those, those. So I saw those, and and for, but for me, this was the one that is my favorite. I think it's my favorite Belushi film, to be honest with you. And so seeing this well, and then seeing Aretha doing Think has always stayed with me since this uh, movie. I, I, I love this performance of Think. It's my, it's a, to me, it's my favorite version of Think. Mine too. Because she had recorded a version, obviously, like yeah. you said, years earlier. To have it used this way in the film is really great. Yeah. Um, so for me, I didn't see it in the theaters. Mm-hmm. and uh, But when Belushi died... yeah. Um, there was, and I was a huge Saturday Night Live fan and a huge mm-hmm. Belushi fan and a huge Animal House fan. I'd yeah. seen that before, um, but I hadn't seen this for a long time. And then there was, this is so strange, but when I went to high school, there, there was a guy who was my sister's age, I think, so three years older than mm-hmm. me, and who was obsessed with Belushi. And when he died, this kid formed the John Belushi Memorial Blues Band, oh. and they played all over Marin County for, in like the mid 80s. Wow. And so that's... I think I knew about that before I saw the Blues Brothers. Interesting. Um, and for me, it's funny. Animal House was my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I love Trading Places. Um, and I didn't watch Blues Brothers as much. Okay. Uh, I'd certainly seen it a whole bunch and, and really liked it. But it's funny. I think I had my most fun watching it just this last time. Oh, wow. It was just so... And part of it is I watched it. And because I'm a terrible parent, I watched this R-rated movie with my seven-year-old son. <laughs> because I went, look, it's just a lot of swearing and cartoony kind of violence. It's not dealing with any adult right. things. And he had a ball and I had a ball. And it is so much fun, this it movie. It is it's great. It's a, it's a ball of fun. And with... With incredible respect to these legendary performers, not just Aretha, but Cab Calloway from the 30s and 40s, like bringing him into the modern day at the time when they made the film and giving him a show-stopping number was incredible. Well, and I think the thing I kept thinking is I kind of went, you know what? I think they are on a mission from God. <laughs> I think their mission in this movie is to bring back this music and Could to bring be. back these singers. Yeah. And, and, and to give a little history of how this all happened, it really starts with Dan Aykroyd teaching John Belushi about this music. Dan Aykroyd had always been a fan of this wow. music. Belushi had never listened to it. He's into heavy metal. Mm-hmm. And Aykroyd said, well, you teach me about heavy metal. I'm going to teach you about the blues. And and they started, and, and Aykroyd, you know, we talked to him a little bit years ago mm-hmm. when we talked about Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. And he is an, he is an obsessive, nerdy kind of guy, sure. and he was obsessively collecting these records and sharing them with Belushi. Mm-hmm. And then what started to happen is they started to play a little bit together, and they started to work as kind of the warm-up 
group for Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. So the Blues Brothers would come out early and kind of warm up the crowd. And then, uh, and actually, from what I understand, Howard Shore, who was the uh, the head of the band, the Howard Shore, mm-hmm. who later becomes, of course, a great composer, right. he was the head of the Saturday Night Live band. He gave them their name just kind of as an improv as he's introducing them one day. And they finally end up playing on the show as the bees right. doing the King Bee sketch. And that's the great. first kind of scene this musical style of course not with the outfits and anything right and more and more they start developing these characters then they start doing the actual blues brothers characters on the show mm-hmm. and the first one they did was carrie fisher was the guest right the second one was steve martin was the guest and steve martin says i want the blues brothers to open for me and they had been playing little gigs around at little clubs and finally they go oh we're gonna have to put together a big band and really go do this right they play together at the universal amphitheater and they record an album from that, and that becomes the biggest R&B album of all time. Wow. The Blues Brothers opening for Steve Martin. <laughs> and this, of course, is like 1977. It's the height, the highest, you know, biggest acts in music are yeah, the yeah. Bee Gees and ABBA at this point, which is the opposite of the Blues Brothers. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and right at this moment, Animal House has come out. Saturday Night Live is huge. They suddenly have a lot of juice, and they go to John Landis about making a Blues Brothers movie. And that's how we get to where we are. Wow. Um, and Ackroyd wrote the script. He had never written a script before. He didn't really know how you're supposed to do it. So he wrote everything. It was 324 pages. Sounds about right. And it had backstories and anecdotes. He had, he had them go to each individual band member and have a story about how they got them all. Oh man. And all this gets handed to Landis and he has to figure out how to turn this into an actual screenplay. They start shooting without a real script. They start shooting without a real budget. Wow. They're in such a hurry. They just start shooting. And, and after shooting a couple of months, the studio comes to them and says, okay, we've worked out your budget. You have $12 million to make this movie. And the line producer turns to Landis and is like, I think we've already spent that. <laughs> because one thing we're going to see is this movie is big. Yeah. This is a big film. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to get into the movie? Hell yes. <laughs> we start with some aerial footage of Chicago, and we make our way over to Joliet, mm-hmm. the prison. Um, and guards are marching Jake out. What's really interesting to me, and I always forget this about this movie and about uh, the other John Landis movies, is he has a great eye. Yeah, there is great shots in this film, mm-hmm. and this sequence of marching him out, uh, and finally up to Frank Oz, yeah, <laughs> to be the guy to give him back his his stuff and one used prophylactic, one unused prophylactic, one soiled. <laughs> Listen, this is going to be a close to R rated podcast. Certain things happen in the movie that are very funny. If you have. Uh, sensitive ears. Maybe this. Maybe uh, you'd have. You might have to listen to an edited version of this uh, episode, which will not exist. Which will not, I'm right, not right, going right, to edit the second version you. of this version. Um, um, I like that he doesn't have. He has to put his feet behind the yellow line, and then he has has to lean, lean in to sign it. It's just very funny stuff. Signs with an X. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he gets hand, handed what I think are essentially his superhero uniform. Yeah. The black point. sunglasses, the 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 hat, the all this black outfit. That's a great point. Well, these two guys that we're going to see, they are treated to some they are superheroes. Yeah. On a some level. They seem to be invulnerable to injury. Yeah. They their car does flips. Yeah. I mean, there's some crazy things that are gonna happen with these guys. Mission from God, man. And we see that Jake has Jake tattooed on his knuckles. We see outside in the car, Elwood pulls up. He has Elwood 
wood tattooed on his knuckles. And, and then we have these shots as the music slowly builds mm -hmm. of this backlit, huge prison gate opening, the small figure of Jake inside. Mm -hmm. And they walk towards each other. And the music is building. Mm-hmm. And then that music hits on those two close-ups. Dun, dun. And then they hug. And then they hug. Yeah. And the song that's playing is our first Blues Brothers track. It's She Caught the Katie. She caught the Katie. Left me this is a great point you bring up, Steve, because it's almost like a superhero intro. Oh, yeah. Right? I had never thought of it this way. This no. is such an incredible way to look at it. These are epic figures, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Blues Brothers. They're being introduced with their like names yeah. underneath, which is a very unique way to be into I don't think I've ever seen two characters introduced this way in a film ever. No, it's, it, it is. This is important. And left me a mule to ride. And yeah. one thing we should say is that Belushi's a really good blues singer. Yeah. And everyone, like the... You know, Aretha and Ray Charles and all this was like, that guy's good. Yeah. You know, these people that are, are made that that style. And he didn't want to sing initially. When he started doing comedy, started doing stuff, he, mm. he, he was very embarrassed of his voice. He didn't think he had a good voice. He wasn't sure how confident he was about it. Yeah, and it was, you know, obviously other people and a girlfriend, I think at the time, at, at when he was at Second City, who encouraged him to do it. And he would have to get drunk or high. You know, obviously his drug problems are very well uh, documented. He would have to get to, to be able to do it until eventually he gained confidence in doing it. And his Joe Cocker is still one of the greatest things I've ever oh seen my in God. my life. You yeah. know? It's amazing. And he got permission from Cocker to do it. Because obviously Cocker has a uh, some sort of a physical <laughs> I, I thing yeah. that he does that is a part of his condition, uh, and uh, uh, so that so much so that when he when Belushi and him they did it on stage yeah, together, they did which sort of phenomenal. dueling Cocker. A dueling Cocker was incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Um, and they're driving in what we should say is the Bluesmobile. Yes, which is an old cop car, <laughs> a Dodge. Yeah, um, and uh, <laughs> you what? <laughs> yeah, Jake's not so happy about it. No, First of all, the lighter doesn't work, which he just throws out the window. I love that. A and then, you know, where's the caddy? The what? The Cadillac we used to have, the Bluesmobile. I traded it. Traded the Bluesmobile for this? No, for a microphone. A microphone? Okay, I can see that. And, uh... Elwood, Dan Aykroyd, doesn't seem to be so happy about him criticizing the Bluesmobile. Yeah. Um, and they're, they pull up. They're kind of waiting at uh, some traffic that stopped because a drawbridge is opening up. Mm -hmm. And uh, Elwood asks, so you don't like it? And he says, no, I don't like it. And Elwood floors the car, runs up one side of the opening drawbridge, jumps the drawbridge, and lands. <laughs> Because he says he's, he criticizes that it doesn't have enough torque or doesn't have power. Doesn't something. have power. It's wimpy. Yeah. yeah. And then a classic Elwood monologue of It's got a cop motor, a 440 cubic inch plant. It's got cop tires, cop suspension, cop shocks. It's a model made before catalytic converters, so it'll run good on regular gas. What do you say? Is it the new Bluesmobile or what? <laughs> and Jake's response is Fix a cigarette lighter. <laughs> That's a window into their relationship, Steve. Oh, yeah. Elwood is always doing the extra thing, going the extra mile, putting himself at risk, all this kind of jazz. And it's always Jake from the sideline judging, 
Yep. You know, being the quintessential asshole leader of the group. And that's just the way their relationship works. That's what we're going to see over and over and yeah. over again. And, and one thing that's interesting is that Dan Aykroyd took cars very seriously. He's mm -hmm. a gearhead. Mm -hmm. He was very specific exactly what kind of car the Bluesmobile would be. Mm -hmm. And what I always forget is that Aykroyd was supposed to play D-Day in Animal House. Oh, wow. Um, but SNL wouldn't let him go do it. Yeah. So um, Bruce and, McGill did it. So yeah. Bruce McGill, who's great. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Well, I will say one thing about the Blues Mills, Steve, before we move on. I, growing up in Virginia, uh, Aykroyd's wife, Donna Dixon, they had a house in Virginia. Oh. And the original Bluesmobile was parked in the backyard oh of the house. So you could drive by. It's in one of these wooded areas of Virginia. You could drive by, see the Bluesmobile there in the backyard. They kept it there for people to drive by and see. Uh, so every once in a while, I would drive by and just have a big stupid smile on my face. So um, that is that's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I, you know, I put the Bluesmobile with the um, uh, Back to the Future DeLorean, and oh, with yeah. you know what I mean. It's like one of those. This is a classic car of yeah of film history. And I will say, one of my most heartbreaking moments at Universal Studios was auditioning for the Blues Brothers and not getting the part of Jake. I didn't know you auditioned. for I it. did. I I'm not the greatest singer, but I love that movie so much that I wanted to be Jake so bad. My friend John Yelvington, who's now in a, uh, uh, one of the managers at Universal Studios in Hollywood, he did it for years. Oh. And I would love, and I loved watching him do the show, going to see him do the show. How are your cartwheels? <laughs> Back then, I could do them. <laughs> Hell yeah, not now. Let's head off to the orphanage. Go see the penguin. Now the penguin, <laughs> who, I, who I love from Dragnet. That actress. <laughs> oh, she's so, that's what. That's, that's her. That's where I know her. Yeah, from. yeah, yeah. Um, it is so, they go into this building, they look up the stairs, again, this beautifully framed shot from yeah. John Landis with this incredibly intimidating yeah. crucifix, Jesus looking right down at you. <laughs> yeah, religion is like this very scary thing in the movie. Certainly with the penguin it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean. The angular staircase, it's oh, very yeah. gothic. Well, th I mean, I think I think he's riffing on the exorcist. You yeah, know what I, I mean? Like this right. is, you know, because we go up, they she they hear her before she knock, they knock on the door. Yeah. The, the door opens with nobody helping it. They walk in, the door closes behind them. And the looks between Aykroyd and Belushi at this moment is so funny. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, uh, there are all sorts of little good comedy bits. Mm -hmm. They have to go sit down in those little, <laughs> little desks. Little, yeah, little, the old school desks. The and then she thing. says, come closer. <laughs> and they walk in the desks over there. And we find out, which is the basic plot of the movie, which is they're going to sell the orphanage. All the kids are going to end up on the street unless they get five grand in 11 days, I think yeah. is what it is. And Belushi says, okay, five grand right now, no problem. And she doesn't want any of their filthy stolen money. <laughs> and what's Belushi's response? Well, then, I guess you're really up shit creek. <laughs> Whack. Yeah. With the ruler. And then and then he repeats it. It gets hit. And then Elwood goes, Jesus. And then they're getting there. She's hitting both of them. Christ, Jake. Take it easy, man. Elwood. Oh, shit. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Ah, shit. Ah, shit. Good corporal punishment comedy. Oh, I love it. And we're told, in essence, that they grew up in this orphanage. Right. So because that's how they know the penguin so well, and they feel that responsibility to help her. Yeah. <laughs> Although it doesn't sound like she was a uh, warm, fuzzy character to grow up with. No. Agreed. Um, but but they, 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 and then they end up just, you know, 
falling down. Jake ends up just falling down the stairs, getting out of there. Oh, there's the, <laughs> because he's too heavy. You can't, you can't, the, de- the desk snaps. Yeah. I don't know who did that stunt, but it's scary. It's a scary stunt. Yeah. And, and of course, the penguin just sort of floats backwards. <laughs> That's such a great little effect. <laughs> As I'm saying, the film is so, it really has a lot of ridiculous moments, but it's so much fun that you can't, ex- if it's your tiny humor, kind of humor, You'll love it. Well, it's a cartoon. Yeah. I mean, it very, you know, like they get a lot from Chuck Jones, I think, in this. This is a lot of Roadrunner and Bugs Bunny kind of comedy going on with live action. Yeah. Um, And who do we run into at the bottom of the stairs? Cab Calloway. Cab Calloway. Boys, you got to learn not to talk to nuns that way. He's, He's great in this movie. Such a stylish dude, man. Yeah. And can I stop? And I will stop the podcast right now. If you, I will, I will do what Steve did. If you don't know anything about Cab Calloway, and if you grew up in the '90s and saw the Janet Jackson "All Right" video, mm. that's an homage to Cab Calloway. And Cab Calloway makes an appearance at the end of the of that music video. If you want, go back and find some old Cab Calloway musical numbers from his movies from the '20s, '30s, and '40s. These were mostly African American or black movies that he was like a star in or a, a main attraction like Harry James was in those movies from that time or Tommy Dorsey was in movies from that time or Nicholas Reap- Brothers or-, or the right well the Nicholas Brothers oh, that's more of the black the black side of things but yeah they would show up occasionally right. in dance movies white white directed dance movies but those, those when you go back and find the Cab Calloway stuff it's mostly in black directed films from black mm. films of that time and it's great like Lena Horne did a bunch of that stuff as well on that side of Dorothy Dandridge so there's a lot of stuff you'll find the Cab Calloway and really in- and then you juxtapose it with what he is in the Blues Brothers now there's such a difference there. well what's interesting is that for most people you're the biggest thing in the world for a, a small amount of time and cap yeah. calloway was he was huge as yeah, huge huge for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. by the 60s nobody cares about cap calloway of course not yeah, yeah you yeah. know and he says you gotta go you gotta save these orphanage mm-hmm. you know these kids are gonna be out on the street you grew up here you owe us you gotta make this happen yeah you gotta go to church you gotta go to church jake you get right <laughs> You get right. <laughs> um, uh, he didn't want to go to church. Nope. Uh, but we're going to church. Yeah. Um, and there we hear the organ music as we're going in. <laughs> Speaking and there of musical we get legends, James Brown. James Brown. So we got the Queen the, of Soul and the Godfather and of Soul. the Godfather. <laughs> okay. So this is this is an impossible question for you to answer, but I'm sure. going to ask it anyway. James Brown and Blues Brothers versus James Brown in Rocky Four. Oh, James Brown's Blue Brothers, Blues Brothers. I pick Rocky Four. You do really? I like because I like Living in America is a better. Okay. I think is a better song than what he sings in this. Oh, you're crazy! Oh, you're crazy! You're an insane person. This <laughs> song in this movie is fantastic. It I is think because I grew up because you're an atheist. Maybe you don't feel a relation to it. But me <laughs> but, growing up religious, yeah, I love America. And you I really do. don't. That's <laughs> right. I don't. But no, uh, no. Uh, I grew up religious, so to me, this is like old school gospel and fun gospel, oh, and and it's what, great. I'm yeah, not and, putting it down. No, no, I know you're not. And the legend of what you hear people say when you go to black churches that sing this gospel, how they they go to another realm of worship, like they're the fact that, we'll, and we'll get to it. But the the all the gymnastics the involved in this is incredible. Um, Do you see the light? One thing that was in, I didn't know is that originally this was supposed to be Little Richard. Not a surprise at all. It's pre- I mean, he was a preacher, and he went yep. back and he went from from music to the church and back and forth yeah, yeah. multiple times in his life. Um, and uh, but they but Little Richard was in a churchy phase and was not going to do it, oh, and so they get James Brown, and James Brown kills it. By the way, one little known fact: uh, if you look in the background of the gospel singer, Shaka Khan is there. Really, that is a very young Shaka Khan with her hair. She's the main soloist when you see 
the gospel singers in the back there. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, now, I, now I have to look at it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, he starts, he's preaching, and then the music starts. And Don't get lost builds. when the time comes. <laughs> Don't get lost when the he's time comes. He's a great preacher, by the way. He really is a fantastic he's preacher. He's perfect. Yeah. And Jake starts to shake. Oh, so good. Elwood looks at him and is like, you all right, Jake? <laughs> and then the music builds. Yeah. And then from outside, <laughs> the clouds part. The light shines oh. down on the church. Yeah, man. Jake is bathed in an ethereal light. Man. Do you see the light? <laughs> and Elwood can't see the light. Nope. <laughs> but Jake has a vision. Yeah. And the vision is the band. Yeah. The band. <laughs> the band. Do you see the light? What light? Have you seen the light? Yes. Yes. Jesus H. Goddamn Christ. I have seen the light. And after Jake has his vision, he cartwheel and handsprings his way down that aisle and starts to dance. Then he cartwheels and handsprings back to Elwood and tells him, The band, Elwood! The band! The band? The band? The band? The band! The band! The band! The band! The band! Oh. And then you get Dan Aykroyd dancing. Oh, and he says, God bless the United States of America. It's <laughs> such a classic <laughs> so Dan Aykroyd line. Is. That is his sense of humor. And I, I love way, the way Aykroyd dances. Oh, God, it's so good. It's so the good. Run, the, the running dance, it's so the good. Running, because his body's so angular yeah. and lanky at that time in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, by the way, the choreographer is a guy named Carlton Johnson. Okay. And he choreographed uh, for Carol Burnett. And he choreographed The Wiz. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And he choreographed... Dr. Detroit. <laughs> One of my closet favorite guilty pleasure movies re- from the 80s. It was funny. I rewatched it maybe a year or two ago. Oh, yeah. Expecting to just really be ashamed of myself for liking that movie. It still was kind of funny. It's so much funny. Howard Hessman, Dan Aykroyd, T.K. Carter, Donna Dixon. Donna Dixon, yeah. And, I, I, the, and the actress from... Oh, God, I can't remember. She's Nell's best friend in Give Me a Break. That actress, she's one of the uh, call girls. It is a very silly movie. It's also maybe the movie where Dan Aykroyd, I think, stands out on his own best. Yeah. Because it's his only one where he's really a lead that kind of works. And whenever I hear the word Detroit, I always go, Doctor, Detroit. Yeah. (laughs) Still in there somewhere. Oh, my God. That's a ridiculous movie. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Um, So, uh, uh, Anyway, the reason I brought the choreography Mm. is that they had made a decision early that they would have no professional dancers, that they only wanted normal people to dance. And so like when you do do the scene outside Ray's music, those are all normal people. Yeah. And Landis saw the footage and went, we can't do this normal people thing. And that's why they got all professional dancers to do the James Brown scene. That's yeah, as well. There's a lot of stuff. There is, man. They're doing serious. And the one other thing I found out is that is that both James Brown and Aretha and, uh, and Ray Charles had they had real problems lip syncing. Normally in a oh, musical, you record it ahead of time, right. and then and then you have to do the exact performance. But James Brown and Aretha Franklin, they never did the same performance twice. Not a surprise. So it was really hard for them, and to the point where James Brown couldn't do it. Yeah. And so what they did was the whole, all the background vocals, all the instrumentation, that's all lip sync. Mm-hmm. James Brown's performance is live. Wow. Yeah. So that's his live performance. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we couldn't do the same podcast twice, so it makes sense. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Nor do I ever want to try. <laughs> um, so we have a we have we have our plan. We're going to bring the band back together. We end up back in the car. It seems like this will be easy. We get the band back together. We play a few gigs. We'll have five thousand dollars. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Except, <laughs> um, yeah. bands all over the place. Yeah, man. yeah. They all went and took took normal jobs. Yeah, they took straight jobs. And and, and again, Jake is disappointed. Well, you know where they are. That was your job mm-hmm. was to keep track of the band. And he goes, well, I was just kind of telling you that to keep you happy while you were in the joint. It was the only thing you were looking forward to. Um, and I love his line where he says, I took the liberty of bullshitting you, okay? You lied to me. It wasn't lies. It was just bullshit. <laughs> it's a great delivery. And while this conversation is going on, they run a red light. Although, really, it's a yellow light. Yeah. And they get pulled over by the cops. Yeah. Cops ask for the license. Cops walk back to the car. Dan is, or Elwood is worried that they have some kind of computer system, which they do. Yes, they do. And it says, arrest this guy. (laughs) Uh, Cops come back, ask Elwood to step out of the car. Mm -hmm. He puts the car in gear and we're into our first car chase. And this is the uh, this is the black and white cops who end up through the whole movie, isn't the same guys? So the, the black actor there, I can't remember his name right now, but he is the... Sergeant or the the person in charge of Twenty One Jump Street. He's in charge of all the oh kids. Oh my god, in 21 he Jump is yep, the same guy. Shorter yeah. hair, mm-hmm. yeah, a little heavier. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Um, there are, by the way, there are a lot of people that show up in this film. Yeah, <laughs> we already got Shaka Khan. We already got Twenty One Jump Street guy. <laughs> yeah, we had Frank Oz. We did. There's going to be more. James Brown. Uh, there are a lot of car chases in the movie. And yes, they are crazy. I don't um, know how they got the budget for all these car chases, especially that last one. My God, the amount of cars it they destroyed. Is insane. Yeah. Um, and, and now Jake is even more pissed. First you trade the Cadillac for a microphone. Then you lie to me about the band. Now you're going to put me right back in the joint. They're not going to catch us. We're on a mission from God. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to hear that a lot. That Chicago accent's great. They call in more cops. Yeah. And Jake and Elwood are arguing through the whole thing. And I love when they get kind of trapped in a big parking lot. And he says, Well, try not to be so negative all the time. Why don't you offer some constructive criticism? You got us into this parking lot, pal. Now you get us out. You want out of this parking lot? Okay. <laughs> right into the mall. <laughs> we go into a Toys R Us where a guy wants to buy a Miss Piggy or something. <laughs> Which is a Frank Oz reference. <laughs> and... Bam, that car comes right through into the Toys R Us. Yeah. This scene is crazy. The car chase with multiple cop cars through a mall. Yeah. Apparently, they found this empty mall. It's up in um, Harvey, Illinois, I think. Okay. And it it had closed down two years earlier. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. Best way to save money, I guess. Well, and then what they did was they called all the companies they wanted to be in the mall and, and and had them come and actually set up their own store. So to- those are real Toys R Us products. There's like what? a lot of all the recognizable companies, Pure One Imports, they went and set it up with their stuff. But what that meant was they had tens of thousands of dollars worth of merchandise yeah. that they had to protect and people kept stealing it. And they hired a bunch of security guards and they found out it was the security guards who were stealing all, <laughs> all the merch. <laughs> Working the fence from within, man. Yeah. 
Um, I like that line. The old, the new Oldsmobiles are in. <laughs> I love that line. All their little stuff. There's like something about disco haircuts, or I don't know. <laughs> There's all sorts of things going. That just a little banter between the two of them, mm-hmm. because again, they're like superheroes, right? You know, they're not. Nothing <laughs> unsettles them. No, nothing at all. Um, they just keep going forward. Yeah, John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephiles' new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game. Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Um, one thing that happened, and it seems like it happened throughout the film, is that during this scene, Belushi just disappeared. Of course. And they, um, you know, they've shut down. And there's a little neighborhood nearby. And a guy kind of says to Ackroyd, I think I saw Belushi walking over towards that neighborhood. So Ackroyd goes walking down this street, looking around for him, mm-hmm. sees only, it's, you know, middle of the night. It's mid- midnight or something. Sees only one light on, knocks on the door and says, and, and the guy who answers goes, yeah, he's in here. <laughs> Um, yeah, John Belushi's asleep on my couch because wow. apparently he just walked into some random guy's house, went in, raided the refrigerator, drank some milk, made himself a sandwich, wow. and then went to sleep on the couch. Wow. Sounds like there was some behavior. And they, they tell yeah. the story like this is really funny. I don't think this was funny. Well, a lot of people, if you read any biographies on Belushi a lot, and watch any documentaries on him, a lot of people in his life say that he just, he violated personal space all the time. He was yeah. very much about satisfying himself in whatever situation he was in, but he was still also an incredibly warm-hearted, warm-hearted, loving, yeah. and vulnerable individual who would do anything for any of his friends. So it was always that kind of dichotomy. It, was, it sounds like he was a he was a lot, yeah, a lot to deal with in the good ways and mm-hmm. the bad ways. I'm sure he had a lot of mental health stuff that if he had gotten into a professional, might have been able to help him. Yeah, who knows? Um, and but the scene is crazy. We've got cop right. cars flipping over, spinning over. I think the guy that ends up upside down and says that he broke his watch. I think that's John Landis. 
Oh yeah, I think one it of the is. cops. I think you're right. Yeah, and I mean the the glass that they break, and they had to set everything up for like yeah. this is wreckable, this is not wreckable, and sometimes oh, they wow. didn't get the wreckable and not wreckable right. No surprise. Um, and then finally they on, right on the downbeat of the music they bust out of the J.C. Penny and back onto the street. So here's what's weird about this movie: it is a comedy. Yes. It is pr- one of the biggest musicals that had been made, one of the most successful musicals of all time, mm-hmm. and it's an action movie because there are huge, huge monster action set pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard for me to call this film a musical. It's a musical. Yeah. There are people performing music in both as performance but also as part of the scene. Yeah. Think is a musical number. Yeah. I'm just saying it's only the artists that are performing the songs. None of the actors until the end perform the songs. And it's the Blues Brothers who are already a band before they did the So this, I don't know, this is more like a Hard Day's Night type of situation. I don't think a Hard Day's Night's a musical. Um, so it's, I get why it's qualified as one. It's, it's hard for me to accept it as one. That's what I thought. Aretha, that is a musical number for a musical. Mm-hmm. That is a character sure. bursting into song in the middle of a scene. Sure. Um, but you don't have to call it a musical. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying. But I, we can move yeah, on. Yeah, you can sit there in your wrongness, and I can sit over here in my. <laughs> I don't rightness. believe in right or wrong. So go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it's all perspective. Um, and they've escaped. Yes. And as they escape, we listen to which we hear many times in the movie, Peter Gunn, Henry Mancini. Um, there's just all the music is so good mm-hmm. in this film. Mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher. <laughs> it's so weird that she's in this movie in this role. Yeah. This is she. She she had probably just finished shooting Empire Strikes Back, and I think she was in a like a situation with Belushi, with from what I understand. Or was it Aykroyd? It was Aykroyd. Okay. She was dating Dan Aykroyd. Okay. At some point, John Landis assigned her to keep the cocaine away from uh, Belushi. Oh, that was it. That yeah. was the relationship they had, right? Which, you know, assigning Carrie Fisher to keep cocaine away. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I love I love Carrie Fisher, the late great Carrie Fisher. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and she's smoking. And she has a bazooka. Yes. <laughs> well, Jake did her wrong. Apparently. You know, get she gets the crosshairs right on him mm-hmm. and they duck right at the last minute as she fires and big explosion and the hotel door that they were about to go in is completely wrecked. They're covered in dust. And they just stand up, shake it off, <laughs> yeah, go inside. Go inside. <laughs> Climb out of the bricks. I love the sound of the bricks. The Foley sounds of oh the bricks God. are great in this sequence. Um, and there's just this little sort of shrug as they yeah. go like, ah, all right. Yeah. I guess that just happened. Right. <laughs> they are unfazed mm-hmm. by everything. Uh, we go into the hotel lobby. Some guy asks if he got his cheese whiz. <laughs> it's like one of the weirdest jokes in the movie, which Elwood does have in his back pocket and tosses it to him. Yep. And I'm always like, when did he buy the cheese whiz? How long has he had the cheese whiz? I with think him? he's had cheese whiz since before he picked up Jake. So do I. Yeah. He had that cheese whiz a long time. Hey, boy, did yeah. you pick up my cheese whiz? Um, into their into Elwood's hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> it's a studio. It, it is a. It is not. It is a studio. I was trying to think of of a small way to what's smaller than a studio. Yeah, a junior studio. A junior I guess, studio. That's, yeah. Which those would exist. Yeah, a demi studio. <laughs> sure. Um, and uh, I love. I love. You know, and immediately an L train goes by. Mm-hmm. How often does a train go by? So often you won't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> that is a funny joke. Yep. Uh, and pretty immediately, Jake's asleep in Elwood's bed, still wearing the hat, still wearing John the sunglasses. Blue. Yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> point. Next morning, we see that Jake is in the still in the bed. Elwood has slept in a chair, and Carrie Fisher's back. Yes, 
And now she has some sort of remote control uh, device that she's fiddling with. And she fiddles with that. Who shows up but our good friend John Candy? Yeah. It's so funny. His part is small, but he sparkles in it. There's so many cameos in this film. Glorified cameos in this film. And uh, they've got the address somehow that they're going to go. Because what we've heard is, is that. Elwood is given a false address on his license, which mm-hmm. is Wrigley Field. But John Candy got this address. Is that because of uh, Jake's parole or something? I don't know. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're going up to see them and they're just about to knock on the door, knock on the door when Carrie Fisher hits the switches on her remote, which she has bombed the whole building. <laughs> the entire building collapses on them. So clearly she must have known that they survived the first attack. Yeah. So she came back to make sure. And Jake and Elwood rise up out of the rubble. That's right. Wipe off the dust. Dust himself off and head off. That's right. (laughs) Eventually, the cops at John Candy start moving too. Yeah, that's right. They don't die either. They don't have quite the the coyote-like healing powers as Jake and Elwood. Right. They go to this house, knock on the door. A woman answers. And they're looking for some people. And they give a few names. Mm I think in this scene, you can totally see Dan Aykroyd's love of Dragnet. Yeah. Are you the police? No, ma'am. We're musicians. It's all that same Joe Friday mm-hmm. delivery. That it's a very does. good point, yeah. Steve. Yeah. And, you know, he asks about their personal habits. And she's oh, they're very nice boys. <laughs> and then just as they're leaving, she runs out and says, hey, there's this card. Yeah. Um, and that leads them up to the Holiday Inn. Mm-hmm. And inside, we see someone speaking, singing Quando, Quando, Quando <laughs> <laughs> with a very cheesy little Holiday Inn band. Yeah, that organ of his is ridiculous. <laughs> that red organ. Man, sometimes you got to play a gig. Hey, look, you got to feed. You yeah. got to get fed, man. You get money to, to play a gig. You're, sometimes you're going to be playing the Holiday Inn outside of Chicago. Right. You take that extra work. And they sit down with these musicians. And what do the musicians want? They want their money. You got the money you owe us, motherfucker? Look, let's just get something straight here. The reason he got locked in a slam in the first place was for sticking up a gas station to cover you guys. Sure. You don't think that's true? I don't believe a damn word Jake says in this whole movie, dude. Nor should you. You are much smarter than Carrie Fisher. (laughs) Um, Well, that's love, man. But what we also see is the power of putting the band back together. Yeah. And they are tempted right away. And man, Jake can sell them on this stuff. Now, who here at this table can honestly say that they played any finer or felt any better than they did when they were with the Blues Brothers. You were the backbone, the nerve center of a great rhythm and blues band. You can make that live, breathe, and jump again. Performers are performers, Steve. They want to work. Yep. They want to work. And uh, and we find out, well, we got to get, you know, Mr. Fabulous, and we got to get Matt <laughs> Guitar Murphy. Matt Guitar Murphy. And, and which for years I always thought was Mad Guitar Murphy. Oh. Matt Guitar Murphy. Right, yes. Um, and Blue Lou. And uh, we find out Mr. Fabulous has got some great gig at a Mater D at mm-hmm. a fancy French restaurant, and that's where we're going to head off next. <laughs> this is one of the funniest scenes. This scene is so funny. It really is. <laughs> they walk in. And he is, like, not happy to see them. Oh, no. I thought it was supposed to be five years. Didn't you get five years? Uh, No, sir, not you. (laughs) And they just walk right in and take a table. Yeah. Tuck their napkins into their collars, order the finest champagne in the house, and start just being horrible. And shrimp cocktails. Well, the reason (laughs) is because... uh, 
Mr. Fabulous tells him he can't join the band. He won't come back. He's making more money doing this. And they're just like, no, we're okay. We'll just, we'll just uh, grab a table. And yep. uh, they go and they start doing the, the, like you said, the most terrible things. And they roll up on this uh, uh, couple, this older couple and their kids. And he's like, how much for your women? The women. How much for the women? What? Your women. I, I, I want to buy your women, the little girl, your daughters. Sell them to me. Sell me your children. Mater D. Well, it's all set to embarrass Mr. Fabulous. Yep. He finally concedes and comes they, and joins the band. They just break him down. They really do. They break <laughs> him down. Um, sir. Yeah. Sir. He's just sitting there. <laughs> um, yep. And so now we got we we got we got Mr. Fabulous. And these are actual names of some of the like Macatar Murphy is That's a real his person. Real, real nickname. Blue Lou is a real yep. person. Yeah. So Blue Lou and Donald Duck Don Dunn, <laughs> real thing. And by the way, too, we should say. These are great musicians. Yes, they are. And so, a lot of them are house musicians from the SNL band. So some of them are musicians from the SNL band. And mm-hmm. the person who put the band together is Paul Schaefer. Oh, no surprise. Yeah, because he was an arranger for SNL at right. the time. And Paul Schaefer was supposed to be in the Blues Brothers band. Oh. And Lauren Michaels wouldn't let him do it. What? Yeah. How are they doing this movie? without? It's a rare SNL movie, in essence, without Lauren Michaels well, I, overseeing. I'll tell you what I think, and I have no evidence for this at all. Yeah. I think... They, they took these characters and said, we own these characters. Lauren Michaels doesn't. And then this movie gets made and is a huge, huge hit. Yeah. And I think from that point forward, Lauren Michaels goes, no, I'm going to own these characters. And anybody who makes any movies off these characters, it'll be a Saturday Night Live movie. That's logical, man. Yeah, that's what I think happened. Yeah, yeah but he wouldn't let Paul Schaefer go. Um, but these guys, I mean, these musicians, they had played in session groups and, and mm-hmm. backing Isaac Hayes and Earth, Wind & Fire and Otis Redding and Aretha and all. The, I mean, these are... This is a great band. Yeah. You know, I think John Belushi is a really good blues singer. Mm-hmm. And Dan Aykroyd, his vocals are really solid. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we get the Blues Brothers sound without this band. Absolutely not. I mean, yeah. this band is awesome. It's a great band. Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate Illinois Nazis, man. <laughs> it's fun. It, it's not funny, haha, but this is right at the era of Skokie. The Skokie protests where the, oh, right. the neo-Nazis in Skokie's in Illinois. Yeah. And that's a community that was filled with a lot of Jews and a lot of Holocaust survivors. And the Illinois Nazis wanted to march in Skokie right in front of where all these Holocaust survivors were. And this is, I mean, as a Jewish kid, yeah. this was a topic at dinner conversations. Should they be allowed to march or should they not be allowed to march? And at the time, I remember my whole family was like, well, no, they, of course they have to be allowed to march. Right. Because it's freedom of speech and freedom of speech is important, even if it's people saying horrible, awful things. And even if it's purposefully to incite. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is that was, the, that was the opinion around the Morris dinner table in 1980. Mm. I don't know if the opinion's the same now because things have changed. Yeah. But, um, but you digress. Yeah. I might cut that whole thing out too. Because this has been a fun podcast and I might have just brought it down a little bit. It's <laughs> all right. Um, they put the Nazis in the film. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now I might keep it in. Um, and they don't like the Nazis. So what do they do? They drive around them and then they start, basically, they uh, kind of mess up their protests so much so that the car. Uh, forces them all to jump off a bridge. Yeah, they drive right down the bridge they're marching yeah. on, and these guys all jump in the river. They are not happy. No. They want to get that license plate, and they're going to punish those people if it's the last thing they do. And they're led by a famous character actor who... Henry from, Gibson. Yep, from Laugh-In and any number of things. Yeah, that he all sorts doing. of stuff. Very funny guy. John Lee Hooker. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. So 
other. This one was recorded live. Yeah. Well, no surprise. And it's not even a long one. It's no, just short. him singing. Yeah. It's great. But you can and this is the this is the old school. Yeah, old school blues. blues, man. Yeah. And he is great. Oh, and here's one. I don't know if you knew this one, which I didn't know. Mm. Mr. T is in the background. What? <laughs> I did not know that. A young Mr. T is behind what? John Lee Hooker in this scene. Totally gonna go home and turn on put on my Blu-ray. You'll, you'll see him. He again. doesn't have the the, the, mohawk? the mohawk or anything yet. He's got kind of sideburns and but he's still wrecking you can see him. How fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Um and uh, Jake and L would kind of listen to that appreciatively. And as mm-hmm. they're leaving, there's some argument about who actually wrote this song. And there's some other old, probably blues musicians that they start fighting with as we go into the Soul Restaurant and see the reason for this podcast, mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin. Yes. Uh, this scene is so good. It's so, and she's so good. In- she's great. I wonder why she didn't act more. Yeah. Because she's really good in this she scene. Is. Got any fried chicken? Best damn chicken in the state. Bring me four fried chickens and a Coke. You want chicken wings or chicken legs? Four fried chickens and a Coke. And some dry white toast, please. Um, You want four whole fried chickens and a Coke. Coke. And dry white toast. And then she goes back to Matt Matt Guitar Murphy and Lulu in the kitchen and says, We got two honkies out there dressed like Hasidic diamond merchants. Say what? They look like they're from the CIA or something. What they want to eat? The tall one wants dry white toast. Elwood. And the other one wants four fried chickens and a Coke. And Jake, the Blues Brothers. Oh, man. <laughs> so uh, great. I love this movie so much, man. <laughs> so funny. I love, I love Elwood's obsession with toast. Yeah, right? It just comes up a couple of times. Um, so we go out to see them, and uh, there's a little conversation about prison food, which yeah. isn't that important. And then we hear we're getting the band back together, and we need you both. Don't talk that way around here. My old lady, she'll kill me. Ma'am, you got to understand that this is a lot bigger than any domestic problems you might be experiencing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And Matt Guitar Murphy says, don't get riled, sugar. (laughs) Don't you don't get riled, sugar me. Now, you're not going back on the road no more. And you ain't playing in them old two-bits, lazy dive. You're living with me now. And you're not going to go sliding around with your old white hoodlum friends. To which his response is, but these are the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> what I love, this is this thing about this movie. is like these weird white guys yeah. dressed in these black outfits right. wearing these playing African-American music. Mm-hmm. And they are the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. And there is something that everyone acknowledges that this is makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, right. It's white boy blues. Yeah. And uh, Jake says, would it help if you knew that what we're asking Matt to do is a holy thing? And again... <laughs> Don't you blaspheme in here. Don't you blaspheme in here. <laughs> uh, uh, Aretha's so great in this scene. She man. is. Um, and she's laying down the law. Now this is my man. This is my restaurant. And you two are going to just walk right out that door without your dry white toast, without your full fried chickens, and without Matt Guitar Murphy. And he says, I'm the man, and I'm going to decide what I'm going to do with my life. And... Magnetar Murphy is a terrible actor. He's not good. He's really well, not so good. Fun, you could totally see him almost breaking yeah, throughout this whole thing. Like there's part of him that just thinks it's so funny that he's here and he's having so much fun. Yeah. And in the dance number two, like he's like, there's part of him like going, I'm in a dance number with, with Aretha Franklin. With That's what the expression of, that he has on his face. Yeah. And yet it's okay. Of course. Um, and, and she says, you better think. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. Oh, shut up, woman. And then we go into the song. Yeah. You better think, think, think about what you're trying to do to me. Yeah, think, 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 that you might want to let yourself be free. 
I agree with you. This is my favorite version of this song. Absolutely. It is so good. And I and I love the simple dance number that's happening. And Blue Lou playing his sax up yeah. on that counter. It's so great. It's great. And she adjusts the lyrics from the original version mm. for, this, for this version. So it's really great. Yeah. It fits right in. Yeah. It fits right in. Her performance is, you know, I mean, she's only on screen for seven, eight minutes probably. And... It's electrifying. Absolutely. She's great memorable. every second she's there. And I love, I love, first there's the moment where the Blues Brothers kind of go, ooh, they're having a fight. Let's not, uh, yeah, it's kind of, this is feeling yeah. sort of awkward. In that first verse, they turn away. And then in the second, and then when they come back around, which is great camera work by Landis, pulling yeah. the camera back. Yep. And then the Blues Brothers turn around to join the ladies who've been yep. jo- doing the background dancing for Aretha. And they just jump right into that, yeah, they that do. dance. And it's great. Freedom. That was good. Maybe maybe you shouldn't audition for Jake at, for Universal. You should have been one of the backup singers for Aretha. Maybe I've been. I'd have been happy dressed as a cook, being the backup singer. There you go. And she finishes her big number, and she ends it with a big, powerful finale, pointing her finger at Mac Guitar Murphy, who stands up. Takes off his apron, drops it in front of her, yep, and says, "Let's boogie," and out they walk. It's a real weird ending, man. It is right because she goes thank, and then he, then it's quiet, and you think she's won him over. Yeah, it's over, and he just like takes everything off, grabs the let's boogie, and then she's left stand there, and and Blue Lou's looking at her like like a puppy dog, and she goes, "Well, go ahead, damn it." And then we have from her the, her last line is. She. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you can overestimate the powerful draw yeah. of the Blues Brothers. Of course not. People, all these guys want to play for them. You get the sense that playing with the Blues Brothers is the greatest musical experience of their lives. Mm-hmm. And they actually, because they put, put up with a lot of shit mm-hmm. in order to be with the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. And it isn't just those two guys. It's the band. It's the whole band. Playing right. with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That they have put together something magical. Yeah. Uh, we have a quick cut to a nice beauty salon called the Curl Up and Dive Beauty Salon. <laughs> and Carrie Fisher is doing her nails yep. while reading a manual on flamethrowers. <laughs> As you do. Oh, man. Uh, Hell hath no fury. Let's go get some instruments. Yeah. Oh, this is my favorite number of the whole of the whole movie. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, nothing against Aretha, the reason we're doing this. Uh, but this Look, is my I, we can't have it. You know, there there is no battling between yeah. James Brown, Ray Charles, and, and Aretha, Aretha Franklin. Yeah, I mean, it's right, like exactly. they're all yeah the legends. I would put on an album of any of theirs right now and yep. listen to it. There, I love them all. Yeah, uh, we're checking out some instruments. <laughs> what does Elwood see? Nice little toaster oven. <laughs> what I love is that he has some white bread. Yes, right. to sort of <laughs> test it out. <laughs> Just random shit, man. Uh, kid tries to steal something. And the blind man shoots the guitar. This is a classic early 80s joke, I think. Yep. I remember when Stevie Wonder was on Saturday Night Live, they did the constant blind man yeah. sort of jokes. Well, Eddie made a whole set out of it in his first couple of albums. Oh, albums. totally. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I think anyone's making those jokes today. Um, and now we're talking about the piano, and is there is there any, enough action left on these keys? And it's yeah. like, no, that's all worn out. If Rachel sits down... Uh, 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 excuse me, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with the action on this piano. Yeah, man. Well, I heard about the fella you've been dancing with all over the neighborhood. 
I love Ray Charles so much. Shake He's, Your Tail Feather, yeah. such a fucking great song, man. Bend over, let me see you shake your tail feather. Bend over, let me see you shake your tail feather. I acted in a musical in high school where we did Shake Your Tail Feather. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a good song. Isn't Our it? version was not as good. <laughs> uh, it's a great dance number. Yeah, it is, man. It is really fun. I disagree with John Landis about the. I like the amateur dance. Oh, I love Shake it Your Tail too. Button. Yeah, I course. think it's great. All the different callouts for the dances is great, yeah. and and it's relatable. And I think that's why it's my favorite uh, sequence because it feels like you could be in that. You would want to have that moment where you're all of a sudden caught up in essentially a flash mob. What we discovered were flash mobs a couple of years ago. And who having this whole, these whole, everybody around you dancing with you. It's, it's awesome. And you can watch all these people dance in perfect choreography and still not say this is a musical. Right. I can't. It's not. <laughs> but all right. Um, by the way, it also was the middle of winter when they shot this. It was like 25 degrees. Oh. Out, and they're all in short sleeve shirts and oh. dresses. And they would, between every take, they would have all blankets and heaters and all sure. this stuff to warm up. And then have to pretend that they're having this great fun summer dance. <laughs> And Ray Charles finishes his song, mm-hmm. and he and they there's a pause, and he says, "Okay, we'll take these axes." Naturally, and as usual, I gotta take an owl. You. What's great about this sequence too, Steve, is how the band is getting into it. Oh yeah, you know the uh, what's his face playing the tambourine with his weird chicken leg dance that he's doing, and they're all doing the kick kick with the guitar, Mac guitar Murphy, and the kick and everything that they're doing. Yep. You see them coming together as a band as well, which is a real subtle thing that's happening through the movies. Them coming together as a band. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we're at a Howard Johnson's. <laughs> we have two cars now. Mm-hmm. All the band members are going, okay, where's the gig? <laughs> Jake, right. Jake goes, don't worry. I just got to make a phone call. I love Belushi's sort of positive energy yeah. talk. Yeah, I'm convincing you that this is going to be great. <laughs> and they walk over to the phone booth. And Elwood's going, you know, what are we making a phone call for? And they yeah. say, well, we're going to call our old manager. And he's going to get us some gigs. Yeah. And it ends up, they only have a quarter left. That's all the money they have, mm-hmm. which is enough to make a phone call. They get to the phone booth, which is right next to a big flammable, you know, gas tank. Gas tank for some reason. Yeah. And who pulls up? But Carrie Fisher? Carrie Fisher. With, With a, a flamethrower. Right. <laughs> Fires at the phone booth. It explodes. The phone booth goes straight up in the air. <laughs> this is full like Roadrunner Coyote kind of comedy. Yeah crashes down they get up they yeah. dust themselves off and notice there's probably nine dollars in changes in here <laughs> uh the nazis track the license down they got the address and they show up at wrigley field i love that shot from below oh it's great it's so funny when you with the i'm telling you landis has a great eye oh yeah uh, now we're driving and everyone's going, okay, where's the gig? We've been driving three hours. Mm. And he goes, oh, don't worry. It's right here. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> we're at Bob's Country Bunker. <laughs> Tonight only. The good old boys. The good old, what a great name for a country band. The good yeah. old boys. Blues Brothers. It should read, Tonight only, the Blues Brothers triumphant return. And they pull up. They say, hey, get the stuff out. Jake and Elwood would go inside. And again, you get that John Belushi just... Full, we're the good old Blues Brothers band. Mm-hmm. We may be sucking back a few beers a little later on. We'll be here all night. You see, we're the band. And they ask what kind of music they play here. Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. That was a good joke for me in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Bob tells them to get their steel guitars all set up. And now we're set up, getting ready for the gig. And the first thing we notice is, I don't think we know any of these songs on this list. <laughs> and Jake goes, well, those are just suggestions. Let's go right into Give Me Some Lovin'. They go into it. Mm -hmm. Immediately, people start booing. Yep. And we should say that the stage is surrounded by a chicken wire fence, mm -hmm. which is good because... They're getting a lot of beer bottles and glasses thrown at them. And apparently this was actually really what would happen at some of these yeah. harder edge country bars. That this is their way of expressing their disapproval, throwing beer bottles, <laughs> having them shattered. Terrifying. Yeah, very terrifying. And uh, Bob isn't happy mm. and the crowd isn't happy. And Bob finally turns all the lights off <laughs> and the band's going. Hey, why'd they turn off the lights? Maybe they blew a fuse. I don't think so, man. Those lights are off on purpose. <laughs> and there's this moment of what are we going to do? And the answer is rawhide. Rawhide, yeah. The old Rowdy Gaines number. <laughs> and I love, too, they go like, what key? And it's like, oh, A, good country key. <laughs> Which I'm sure is true. Yeah. Um, and the rawhide performance is amazing. It's so good. It's so funny. Yeah. Rolling, rolling, rolling. The streams are swollen, keep them doggies rolling, rawhide. Rain and wind and weather, hell bent for leather. Wishing my girl was by my side. Dan Aykroyd is great. Oh, yeah. And I love Jake just standing there like a statue mm -hmm. until he comes in with the load him up, <laughs> whoop him on, got him out. And then the whip. Yeah, finds and a whip. Somehow through the chicken wire, he takes some lady's cigarette out of her <laughs> mouth with a whip. And people are up on tables oh, dancing. Yeah. Of course, they're time. still throwing beer bottles at them, but now <laughs> they're doing it in joy. This is, they have won this crowd over mm. instantly. I can't imagine cleaning this place every night. Good God. Oh my God. That's so much That's glass. a lot of blood on the floor with all this broken glass. Probably. Um, yeah. You know what? You don't, you don't want to have John McClane run through that place. <laughs> and then we go into Stand By Your Man. Great old school Tammy Wynette song. It's great. Fantastic. Well, and hearing, hearing Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi sing it in good harmony yeah. with wonderful choreographed hand gestures. Very sweet, vulnerable <laughs> delivery from these two dudes. Stand by your man. Give him two arms to cling to and something warm to come to when nights are it's so it's it's it is a well done song. It is, and it's really funny. And we have all these cutaways to couples toasting each other, getting emotional. A sad guy with a beer, yeah. just crying right in his, his beer. beer. Oh, so good. And and Jake and Elwood of the band are drinking lots of beers themselves. Yeah. Um, and we've come to the end of the evening. And for our 27th performance of Raw, yeah, I, think. I, I wonder how many times they played. They went back and forth between these two songs. Um, I bet they, I, I mean, they must have come up with some more stuff. <laughs> sure, if you say so. <laughs> have you listened, by the way, to the uh, all the Ray Charles country western oh, yeah. tracks? Seven Spanish Angels is one of my favorite oh my God. country songs. And he wrote that with Willie. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he asked yeah. Willie, Willie to be a part of it. I mean, what's, what's weird that. I've learned talking to musicians is like the barriers between these genres and the hatred that, mm -hmm. that rock people have for country Western or vice mm -hmm. versa. That doesn't apply to most musicians. Most of the great artists don't, don't no. uh, lean into any of that stuff. No. They're because, like, that's great. Yeah. That they respect great. the musicianship yeah. of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're ready to get their money for tonight. They're going to get mm -hmm. paid $200. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. they drank $300 worth of beer. <laughs> 
And I love the line. It's like, well, they never charged us for the first one. So I just figured beer was complimentary for the band. No, 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 no. (laughs) So he goes, I'll go take up a collection with the boys. And they go out to the band and the band is already going like, we should quit. Yeah. You know, they're, they're ready to go. And yet Jake still convinces them, even though they, they, he's like, they want us to pay for the beer. You guys got to split. He still convinces them to try one more time. Yeah. The next gig is going to be incredible. Yeah. And who should pull up at that moment, but a big old RV with the good old boys. Good old boys. Why are the good old boys pulling up at like one in the morning for their gig? <laughs> That's true. A little late. You know how the war country of Western life is um, led by Charles Napier. Yep. Uh, who's really funny in this. He's so great in this. And Jake comes up and talk, asks for them for their union cards. And <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be able to play here. And then he says, let me go talk to Bob about it. And he goes to talk to Bob, tells Elwood, get in the car, start it up, goes to Bob and says, oh, of course we're going to pay you. My brother is writing up an American Express check for you right now. You know what? I got I usually sit next to him and I sign it. Just give me one second. He gets in the car and they take off. That's right. And we're into another kind of car chase. Yeah. I didn't know RVs could be in a car chase. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know how well, fast particularly RVs. later when you get epoxy in the on the accelerator. Yeah, good point. Um, they drive away. The RV is following them, um, and they load up a shotgun. They shoot out that back window. Our Lady of Blessed Acceleration, don't fail me now. <laughs> um, and sitting behind a big billboard is our friend, the cops. Yep, again. And they see that Dodge go by, and they go, I can't believe it. And they pull out, and what happens? Slam right into the RV. Flips both of them over. Cops draw guns, put it on the good old boys, and says, you boys are in big trouble. <laughs> boys, you in big trouble. We're in a steam bath, talking to Maury Slime. Yeah, the great Steve Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're going, we need a gig to make $5,000 fast. It's like, you can't. What are you going to do? Are you doing that same old act? Yeah. Like, why don't you guys get some jumpsuits or playing jeans or something? <laughs> because the musical world has changed. And he, they, they say, well, there's the, this plaza ballroom. And it's at a big hotel up at the lake, like a vacation place. You fill that place, you can get the money that you need. Right. Uh, and they go, great, book it. We'll fill it. He's like, no, you can't do this that fast. It takes a little time to, mm-hmm. to exploit it. And like Elwood's line, I've been exploited my whole life. I know how to do it. <laughs> and what do they do? They blackmail him. They yeah, blackmail him. I wonder if Mrs. Morey would want to know. <laughs> um, you blackmailing me, Jake? <laughs> and need the money, Morey. <laughs> well, they are on a mission from God. That's right. And uh, he finally agrees. And they go, come on, boys. And then we have the, just a, that's a comedic shot setup of, all of the Blues Brothers in towels sitting all next to each other up in the corner so, of the steam bath. So funny. That is a good visual joke. And for those of you who don't remember Steve Lawrence, uh, him and Edie Gourmet, very famous married couple, both incredible performers in Vegas, yep. friends of Frank Sinatra, uh, and uh, Lawrence was on the Cal Burnett Show for many seasons oh, doing, right, huh? doing recurring roles and sketches with her that were very, very funny. I really wonder how they got all these people in this movie. I, mean, I think it's SNL, the SNL connection, man. I guess so. I think at that time, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, I'll be in a funny little movie with you guys. So why not? Uh, back at the orphanage, Cab Calloway is talking to the kids saying, we got to get the words on the street. Yeah. And we go into a montage to Fats Domino. I'm walking. And Elwood steals this big, huge speaker, mounts it on top of the Bluesmobile, and they go out and start 
telling everybody to come to see this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. You in the light. You on the motorcycle. On the motorcycle, <laughs> that's right. You two girls. Tell your friends. Free parking. Free parking. The kids are handing out posters. We have this montage where the kids are all staying the spiel. Yeah, yeah. We see uh, James Brown gets a poster. We see Aretha Franklin get a poster. <laughs> that, see... With that just like indignation mm-hmm. on her face. We see Ray Charles put a poster up. Upside down. Uh, upside down. <laughs> Another blind joke. Um, By the and... way, you can make blind jokes. Sure. Right. Well, I, 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 I think people would be reluctant to make that joke today. I think if, I think if a blind person was doing the joke. Sure. That's why they got away with it, you know, because Ray Ray was always very funny about his blindness. Um, And the good old boys see some graffiti about the about this gig at above a urinal, and it's time to head off to the gig. Out of gas, yeah, son of a gun. Um, At the hotel, they're waiting. It's starting to fill up. Mm -hmm. They push the car into a gas station. Uh, The band shows up and looks around, and man, this is a big place. Then we're gonna be able to fill it. And this is where Cab Calloway says, well, we got a lot of children depending on it. And I think this is the first time the band heard any of that. Yeah. Which surprises me because you would think that Jake would have used that. But maybe not because that also yeah. means the band's not getting the money. You're right. They, but finally, they push into this gas station. The lieutenant comes out and says, we're out of gas. And they're like, yeah, we're out of gas. And he's like, no, the <laughs> gas station's out of gas. The truck is late. And up pulls a Jaguar with Twiggy. Yeah. Uh, who was a blonde model from the 60s. Mm-hmm. People are now pouring into this hotel. Mm-hmm. Cab Calloway is looking at his watch. Uh, Elwood's talking up Twiggy. <laughs> um, and uh, finally, the tanker shows up. And back at the hotel, John Candy shows up with some cops. Yep. And some more cops. And the good old boys show up <laughs> with axe handles. Yeah, man. They're um, ready to battle. Yep. Elwood fills Twiggy's tank of gas and says, that'll be $94. <laughs> she gives him 95 and tells him to keep the change. And he tells her, maybe you want to meet me at a motel later on. And she's, at, what, she's, she's on a date or something like that, but it yeah. doesn't work out. Jake realizes, looks at his watch and finally realizes, oh, we're late. We got to get to the gig. Mm-hmm. The crowd is now starting to get mean. The band is getting nervous. And the Bluesmobile is pulling through a tunnel. And they're talking about, we got to keep it together. We have to get that gate money, get it to the Cook County Assessor by tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the camera pans up, and we see that the, above them, they are surrounded by cops. Yep. Now the crowd is chanting, we want the show. And the band is ready to leave. Yeah. Because Jake and Elwood are a no-show. Screw this, I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, in, out, make a decision. And Cab Calloway says, do you know Minnie the Moocher? <laughs> and they go, yeah, so what? And he goes hit it and turns around and he's suddenly dressed in the white tux fantastic and the band is on the bandstand so all in crazy. white and we go into the classic performance of Minnie the Moocher hey folks here's a story about Minnie the Moocher she was a low down huge she was the roughest toughest frail but Minnie had a heart as big as a whale. Which is one of Cab Calloway's famous songs from that time. In it the is, 30s yeah, it is his, and, and, his signature song. Yeah. yeah and, and what's funny is he didn't want to do it this way. Oh. John Lennis, he says, okay, we want you to do Benny the Butcher. And he says, well, what style do you want me to do it? in?" And it's like, 
well, we want you to do it the old style. I was like, why would you do that? I just, he just released it as a disco song. Oh, God. He had released it every time music taste changed. He had redone Minnie the Moocher. So he released a Cha Cha Minnie the Moocher. What? He released a Tango Minnie the Moocher. He released a Twist Minnie the Moocher and a Disco what? Minnie the Moocher because he's trying to stay current. And so now it's, you know, they're shooting in 1979 to be released in 1980. And yeah. he goes, I'm not going to release that old thing. Nobody's going to want it. Let me do the disco version. And Landis says no. And they go to the recording studio and he records, a, you know, old school version and comes out and, and Cab Calloway is kind of grumpy and yeah. he goes, what do you think? And Landis is like, yeah, honestly, I didn't like it. That wasn't very good. Yeah. I want you to really do it. You know, yeah. go full on. He's like, and, and Cab Calloway sarcastically goes, oh, you want it good. Okay. And then he goes back in and just destroys it, just nails it. Wow. And and actually has a good time. And that is the, the version that he lip syncs to in, oh, that's great. in this. And it is great. It is great. Seeing him in the suit again is fantastic. Oh, the yeah. hair flipping over, which is what he was known for, the wild hair mm -hmm. of his. Seeing all of that, the move with the arm down, almost oh, yeah. with the finger pointing, all of those things. Plus, it's a great song, Steve. It is. It's such a great song. And it's an uncomfortable. It's about cocaine and this yeah. woman being hooked on the drugs from love and all this kind of jazz. What happens to her? But it's a fantastic song. Yeah, this performance is great. The audience eats it up. Yeah, of course I, they do. I'm always kind of going like, well, it's a fantasy. Right. Is the audience really eating this up? And and I kind of go, I'm decided to believe that yes. Absolutely. They totally eat it up. Good music is good music. And and while that's happening, we have Jake and Elwood doing very cartoony, sneaking around behind the cops, past it's the cops, true. trying to get in. Into the bathroom. Um, oh, John Candy asked if the other cops want, uh, want orange whips. Orange whip? <laughs> orange whip? Orange, orange whip. whip. Orange, three orange whips. What's so great? Um, oh, we forgot another cameo, which What's is that? Paul Rubens is the waiter in uh, in the restaurant. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got a brief Pee Wee Herman appearance. We did, we did. Um, and what's so funny is like having these brilliantly funny people in these bit parts mm -hmm. makes them shine. Mm -hmm. we, we wrap up Minnie the Moocher and I love the moment where he's kind of finishes in the white mm -hmm. and then he turns back and we're back in the black and we're out of the fantasy. Yeah, yeah. It's a really nice moment. Guys have snuck into the place. They make eye contact with Cab Calloway. He starts the band up, and they go into this intro music. I love this intro music. It's a very seventies like intro music. Oh yeah. Man. The cops are like, "Well, let's arrest these guys." And John Candy's like, well, "I've never heard him play." <laughs> just randomly like not yet not yet let's just wait a little bit cab calloway introduces them i love his introduction back after a th exclusive three-year tour of europe scandinavia and the subcontinent the subcontinent it's <laughs> great and they come in we have the classic uh handcuff to the briefcase undo the handcuff pull out the harmonica john belushi does a big flip which not John Belushi. Uh, thank God. <laughs> um, and they land it, and they stick it, and the music stops, and there's dead silence. Yeah. And they're just literally crickets. Yeah, and they're staring at the blank faces of a dead audience. Um, <laughs> there's a bit of an awkward moment, and then one, two, three, four, and we're into everybody needs somebody. Yeah, great song. <laughs> It's a great song, and their performance is great, and they win over the crowd. Yeah. 
<laughs> and during the song, they call out to the, they welcome all the members of law enforcement that are there. <laughs> and they're all these, you, you, you. And one of them, I love the contact with the good old boys guy with Napier. Who goes, yeah. You. Yeah. And the Belushi one. Yeah. Oh, I mean the uh, John Candy one and the Belushi. The John Candy one. And yeah. the John Candy laughing. And again, it's a great number. Yeah. Uh, the second song is Sweet Home Chicago. Oh, good song. It's too. a good song. I don't like it as much as everybody. No, no. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it, but it's really good, mm-hmm. and they kind of end up backstage, and there's a big guy there who says he wants to record him, gives him <laughs> a contract, and not only that, he has ten thousand dollars in cash right with Just him. Just happens to have it. Not only that, but he also knows the secret ways to get out of this place because he used to be a bouncer here. This is a useful guy to have show up at the last minute. This is totally like this is Deus Ex Machina. Isn't oh it? yeah, <laughs> we cannot figure out how to resolve this. Let's just have a dude there. I guess the whole film. Is and they say, okay, it. give this money to the band, give this money to raise music, so we pay for the instruments, and we're going to keep this money because we have to get out of here to get to the Clerk County Assessors. assessors. I'm like, why didn't they give him $5,000 to go to the Clerk County Assessors if he's going to do these other money errands? Oh, good point. It would be able, and of course, the reason is is because then we wouldn't have as much fun. That's true. Uh, because they sneak out the back while the band keeps playing, and slowly but surely, people start to realize, where are they? Mm-hmm. By which point, our guys are down in this tunnel with... Carrie Fisher, Fisher. Yep. and a machine gun. <laughs> she is not a good assassin. No, because <laughs> she still loves him. She can't shoot him. Do you think she's purposely missing? Yes. Okay. Um, and, and they're still going like, who is this person? <laughs> That's right, which is so great. The mystery throughout the whole movie is we don't know who Carrie Fisher is. And it ends up that uh, Jake stood her up at the altar. At the altar. She stayed celibate for him. And apparently her family paid, went deep into debt to pay mm-hmm. for this very, very big wedding, and he didn't show for her. Yeah. And I love there's a moment where Jake kind of gives a little nod like, I got this handled. <laughs> and he stands up, and he walks over, yeah. and he drops to his knees, please! <laughs> totally what you wouldn't expect. Totally. Because right? he'd been so smooth talking to everyone else. I ran out of gas! I had a flat tire! I, I didn't have enough money for cab fare! My tux didn't come back from the cleaners! An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake. A terrible flood. Locust. It wasn't my fault, I swear to God. <laughs> I love how he holds the God. God. And then the look. Yep. Takes those glasses off. <laughs> it's really the first time we've actually seen his eyes in the whole film. Good point. And Carrie Fisher melts. Oh, Jake. <laughs> there's a big romantic movie kiss and then he says let's go let's go drops her and <laughs> just drops her in the mud i know any ladies <laughs> listening to us on this pod i'm sure you've dated a jerk like this yeah yeah and it is really horrible yeah and it is really funny yes it is. <laughs> and i love the awkwardness as elwood kind of Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What I love, too, by the way, is that apparently Jake had someone who was going to marry him that his brother didn't even know about. Yeah, true. Well, (laughs) you know, you don't tell everybody everything. Sure. (laughs) I thought the Blues Brothers were close. (laughs) Oh, one thing I missed. By the way, we never know if they're actual brothers. Um, That's a good point. They might just be these greatest friends who, who in essence, are brothers and met in an orphanage. That's a good point. Yeah. uh, one thing that we missed is that Elwood had gotten some epoxy and he had glued the accelerator to the floor yeah. of the uh, RV and then put glue on top of the pedal as well. Yeah. That's important because the good old boys are coming out of the place now and they're getting in the RV. Yeah. And then Jake and Elwood in the Bluesmobile and we hear... 
106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Hit it. <laughs> that is classic. Yep. And they pull out. Uh, Carrie Fisher opens fire on them. All the cops open fire on them, and cops pull out, and we're into another monster car chase. Yeah. Like one of the biggest ones. It's funny. We did Midnight Run a little while ago, and I commented on, oh, this is the time in the 80s where you would have a whole bunch of car cop cars wrecked. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, our good old boy realizes his foot is stuck to the gas pedal and they blaze through a bunch of trucks and then they fly into a lake. <laughs> Twinkie's still waiting at that motel. Yeah. So Elwood would have gotten laid, I think, tonight. He would have, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And now it's dawn. We've been driving through the night and uh, the Blues Brothers are followed by a ton of cop cars now. Here's what I found out. So they bought 60 cop cars to wreck for this movie. Wow. At $400 a piece. Well, that's not too bad. It seems like a pretty good deal. Right. They There's a roadblock. There's a, a guy getting on the radio talking about the Blues Brothers and who's listening to their radio is our Nazis. That's right. And I love that, that Jake is kind of falling asleep and, and uh, Elwood goes, I got to pull over. And they go down this embankment and a whole bunch of cars go rolling and flipping down this embankment. Mm-hmm. And and of course, one of the cop cars is uh, John Candy and our two guys and they jump that cop car right into the back of a truck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and Candy goes, Hi, want to hand me the mic? Thanks a lot. Hi, this is car, um, what number are we? Five, five. Car 55. Um, we're in a truck. <laughs> I love Candy's joy. I know. And now we, and, and by the way, and now we see that there are horse mounted, there are mounted police coming after them. They're, they're dispatching boats. The guy on the radio says that uh, use of unnecessary violence has been approved. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that delivery from that guy, too. They blast right through the roadblock, and they end up on Lower Walker Drive, mm-hmm. which we talked about in The Dark Knight. That's right. Same place that that big chase scene happens. Mm-hmm. I think this chase scene is just as epic. Yeah, I would agree with it. In its own way. And we're heading off to Richard Daly Plaza. There's a moment where Jake goes, oh, that's where they have the Picasso. <laughs> because they are not phased by anything. They go up a ramp. There's a car that's blocking the ramp, and they jump over that car, knocking off the the lights and then a whole bunch of cop cars come up and they don't make it over and they flip over this car they knock it over this just wrecking car after yeah. car after incredible car incredible how many cars they wreck yeah i mean it's crazy and they look down at the speedometer and it says 110 miles an hour yeah. john landis says they really went 110 miles an hour i don't really believe him wow that's a crazy speed yeah and not necessary cuz cars don't you don't you know you could make a car look like it's going fast and not necessarily be going that but he says they True. went that fast i just have notes of like more cop cars flip ridiculously huge pile of cop cars <laughs> cops opening fire yep and then who sees them the nazis that's right in a pinto <laughs> as you would drive if you were a nazi a pinto and what music plays bogner yeah ride of the valkyries right. apocalypse now style um and one of them's leaning out the window firing with uh his pistol and I think it's on purpose, because if I remember correctly, and maybe I'm wrong here, but Wagner was a hardcore racist, like very pro-white. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and the Nazis loved Wagner. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Nazis love Wagner. It, Wagner's always been very high on the Nazi hit parade. Yeah. <laughs> and as they're firing, something hits the motor or something happens, mm-hmm. and there's a big explosion of smoke out of the front, and uh, uh, 
And Elwood says, oh, no, we've thrown a rod. And Jake says, is that serious? <laughs> so Jake doesn't know a lot about cars. And now they're just trying to clean the windshield. And Jake's, like, leaning out. It's still funny. And Elwood's leaning out of the car. <laughs> and they're trying to get it cleared. They go onto this bridge where there's road construction and through a whole bunch of barriers. And one of the Nazi cars kind of stops at that point. And they keep going. And finally, they reach the end of the ramp, slam on the brakes, almost go off the ramp. And then this is where we we really leave the world of physics behind yes. at this point. They put the car into reverse, and then for some reason, the car literally does a backflip. <laughs> Flips over backwards, flies above the Nazis in the Pinto to land perfectly facing the other direction. Yeah. It makes no sense. And the Nazis, distracted by that, jump off this ramp and go up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My God. Entirely de de um, defying gravity. And then... They finally start to come down where they fall for apparently like a thousand feet. Yeah. Like you could see they're taller than the Sears Tower, um, which they really were. They lifted up. They took a Pinto up with a helicopter. Holy 1,200 feet. Wow. And dropped it. Oh, my God. And it was so dangerous that the FAA made them do tests and certify the uh, aeronautics of a Pinto because <laughs> they wanted to make sure that they could hit the right spot, that right. it wouldn't float or, you know, glide. Yeah. And it, so they had to do Pinto dropping tests and they finally do drop this Pinto in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes a huge hole in the ground. It's crazy. Yeah. And right before, right, of course, right before they hit the bottom, the one Nazi turns to the other Nazi and says, I love you. I've always loved you. I've always loved you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Making our last moments on earth terribly, terribly awkward. That's right. <laughs> um, As and, it should be. Yeah. And the other Nazi falls right into the same hole. Yeah. The one that had left. <laughs> All right. We've reached Frank Daly Plaza. <laughs> they drive and we have even more cop cars behind them. Mm -hmm. They drive through the building, which is really one of the city buildings in Chicago. Wow. Um, yeah, it's crazy that they got allowed to do all that. Yeah, they get stuff. away with all this stuff, yeah. I, I mean, um, yeah. They finally, they stop, they get out of the car, the car collapses. Yeah, that's right, as it should. That is the end of the Bluesmobile. Yeah. Apparently, there were 13 different Bluesmobiles. Oh, wow. To do different jobs, because some of them were able to do some different kinds of stunts, some were built for shooting, mm -hmm. one of them built to just completely fall apart. Yep. Elwood takes off his hat, we have a moment of silence for the Bluesmobile. Come on! And then they go inside. As soon as they get inside, they close the door. They start piling up furniture. Mm -hmm. um, and more cops appear. And more cops appear. <laughs> Fire truck. <laughs> um, SWAT team. SWAT team. Hut, 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 yeah, hut, I love that. <laughs> By the way, I totally... I, I've rarely stolen things, but I was writing an animation script that was uh, a satire, and I, I put the hut, hut, huts in. <laughs> um, they ask some guy where the assessor's office. He gives them some directions. And as he does that... The cops are starting to burst through the doors, and now we see the army is showing up yeah. with tanks, their helicopters. It is crazy. Yeah. So you remember when I said that they found out their budget was $12 million, and yeah. they said, we're already spent $12 million? Well, I had to look up actually how much this movie cost. Oh, God. $30 million. Wow. To put that in perspective. Almost triple the budget. To put it in perspective. Another movie made, named, made that same year cost $18 million, and that movie is The Empire Strikes Back. Wow. So this movie Holy crap. cost $30 million, and The Empire cost eighteen. Wow. That is crazy. Yep. This movie is so, it is so ridiculous how much money they spent. They get in an elevator. We, see, we hear the girl from Ipanema. 
I think this is the origin of that as a running gag in oh, all sorts of things. Is the girl from Ipanema as the classic Muzak? Maybe. Um, we have army guys climbing over cars. We're pulling out guns. We're dropping down, rappelling down the side of a building. <laughs> um, ridiculous. The guards run up to the same guy. They ask for directions. They said, do you see two guys go by? He's like, yeah, I sent him that way. And he says, thank you. Thank you. And they all charge by. Uh, it's a big loud yell. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah. They start running up the stairs. Elwood and Jake get out of the ele- elevator. <laughs> Elwood pulls out his can of spray stuff and torches the, the controls of the elevator. Then they get inside the where the assessor's office is or whatever, and they start blocking those glass doors mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of furniture, and they get to the assessor's actual office, and it says, back in five minutes. <laughs> so they wait. Meanwhile, guys are still charging up the stairs. Finally, someone comes to the door and opens it, and who do we have as the clerk at the assessor's office? A very young Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. It's so bizarre. <laughs> I think it's just like, hey, you want to do this thing? Sure. Yeah. And they grab him, they carry him back, they put him on the desk, they hand him the money. Cops are charging up, getting through the doors, crashing through windows. We cut back to Steven Spielberg, who is stamping the document. <laughs> I love it's also official. It says, here's your receipt. And at that moment, handcuffs come on and they turn around and there's about a million cops with guns pointed at them. Yep. They made it. They did it. They were yep. on their mission from God. Yep. And for their sins that they did to complete this mission. Yep. They're put in jail. Yep. And we hear Jailhouse Rock. Walk through a party in the county jail. Prison that was there that began to wail. The band was jumping and the joint began to swing. Should have heard this knock out jail, but sing, let's rock. Great performance. And apparently the whole band got put in jail. Yes. They don't seem that unhappy, really. Well, they probably got taken care of. Um, Julia, Jake, and them. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Joe Walsh from the Eagles is in the is one of the prisoners in the jail. Oh wow! He's like the blonde guy in front, and the, on the the prisoners, they all love uh, Jailhouse Rock. Mm-hmm. And then the great thing is, as we're playing this song, then we cut to Aretha Franklin yeah. and Ray Charles and James Brown all singing little lyrics from Jailhouse Rock to incorporate them within the credits. And then I love that the final one we get is the whole crew yeah. all sitting there singing Jailhouse Rock. I like that. I like that a lot. Landis did that a lot at the end of. Uh, uh... Well, I mean, he does it like the end of Animal House. It's the whole get crew, the, right? Yeah, yeah. And as the credits are going up, yeah, yeah. Well, when you get in Animal House, of course, you get the what happened to everybody, right? Right, which yeah, is great. Which is great. Um, and, and we get at the very end of this movie, which we all, which is a running joke from Animal House. Go to Universal Studios, ask for Babs. That's right, and that's a joke out of Animal House. That's right. Uh, we've reached the end of the Blues Brothers. Mm, such a shame. Um, a little more to say about it. So Lou Wasserman, who's the head of Universal at this time. He did not like this movie. What a surprise. He hated it. I think he was probably really angry that they spent, you know, 18 million extra dollars than what he had budgeted for them. Yeah. And they they had not wanted Aretha Franklin or James Brown or any of those people because those acts weren't popular. They wanted young, popular musicians out of the uh, uh, Universal MCA catalog. Mm-hmm. They didn't want these people. And it sounds like he didn't want so many black musicians. Not a surprise. And so when they went to release the film, they they said, well, we're not going to give it a wide release. We're going to put it in like half the theaters that you normally would because we think this movie sucks and it's going to tank. And then this is really weird is they said, we're not going to play it in any white neighborhoods Mm. because like, so they said, we're not going to play it in Westwood. And they, and, and, and this is what I read is that they said, a, we don't think white people will want to go see it because it's a movie about black people. And B, we're worried that uh, black people are going to come to white neighborhoods 
and maybe commit crimes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That is my understanding of that decision process. Wow. Isn't that just horrible? Ignorant and Ign- stupid. Yeah. And ridiculous. Um, but surprise, surprise, this movie did great. Yeah. Made $115 million, one of the biggest hits of the year. Phenomenal, man. Yeah. And of course, you know, this is just at the moment of the rise in home video. And so this becomes one of those movies mm-hmm. that people rent and own in all sorts of versions and mm-hmm. people dressed up as the Blues Brothers. And I hear maybe they even talked about a sequel at some point. I'm not sure if that ever got made. <laughs> um, but these are certainly beloved characters. So it never happened in your mind. I, I, I Look, I don't know everything about film. And maybe, maybe it happened. <laughs> I'm just not familiar with it. I would agree with you. I don't think it ever happened either. Yeah. Um, it was such a terrible fucking sequel, man. I never watched. I ne- I've never seen. You it. shouldn't. It's so disgusting. I mean, it's really sad. Jo- John Landis has this incredible run of films. Yeah, he does. And then there's the Twilight Zone, where there's the helicopter accident, mm-hmm. and it seems like he never quite came back from that. Or, I mean, I don't want to speak about what happened with him, right? But his movies after that point, I mean, like Beverly Hills Cop Three, is just a horrible, horrible yeah. film. And Eddie said he'd never work with Landis again after that movie. Yeah. And I mean, some some directors are like that, Steve. They go on their run. They, like Walter Hill had a nice run for a while yeah. in the seventies, early eighties. Same thing with Friedkin. Friedkin had a nice oh, little yeah. run. They all so a lot of these directors have these nice little compact runs over a few years, and then they just can't then quite capture that again. Well, McTiernan, same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Mm. And what we should say, making movies is really hard. It is, and it's sometimes a miracle that they ever work. Mm. You know, and and Landis had a whole bunch of miracles from Animal House, Trading Places, American Werewolf in mm. London. This, yeah, I mean that's a that's a great set of movies. And uh, up all night, I think the oh, up all night, yeah, yeah the Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum. With, with Michelle Pfeiffer, very yeah. young, Michelle, beautiful Michelle Pfeiffer. But ironically, Steven Spielberg, someone who has lasted for decades, is in oh, yeah. this movie. So yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the Blues Brothers? Was there any uh, anything else? Like I'm sure did it nominate anything? Did it get nominated? Any Not songs got nominated for anything? Oh, that's a shame. Um, here's what I would say: It's such a fun movie. It's a fun movie to revisit. Uh, as Steve did with his child, I think you should share it with your kids because it's a positive. Lots message. of swear words. There is lots of swear words, but there are edited versions. And lots you of can bad show behavior that don't have the cuss right. words in them, which is how I discovered the film the first time on uh, uh, pay t- or on, I'm sorry on a cable network with all the cuss words cut out. Still enjoyable film, edited or unedited. It's a phenomenally enjoyable film. Great music, and hey, it teaches your kids about these incredible musicians like Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin and James Brown. Exposes you to them so they can enjoy their music and pass that on to their kids someday. So it's just a great film and all, and it's good music from the Blues Brothers. Really fun songs there, and it, the story overall is what is saving kids from being put out on the street. And that's yeah. a positive thing, no matter. And they took care of Nazis. It's a very positive <laughs> yeah. film, man. Um. I, I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning, which is I really think that Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi and John Lannis had a mission yeah. to bring back this great music. And man, they do. Mm-hmm. I just, the music is so great in this movie. And, and it's so, it's such an odd movie because mm-hmm. it's got this Bugs Bunny level of ridiculous comedy. Yeah. You have the great comic chops of Belushi and Aykroyd who are just the way they play off each other is fantastic. Yeah. You have these huge action sequences and you have these great musical numbers. I mean, it is, a, it is a really unique movie. It is really fun. It's really joyful. And I'll tell you, when I finished the film with my seven-year-old kid and the music is playing, mm-hmm. he was dancing. Of course. And he's dancing so much, he said, Dad, videotape me. So I have multiple super cute videos <laughs> of my kid dancing to the Blues Brothers. That's great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's what we think of the Blues Brothers. Of course, we want to hear what you think. You can reach us on Facebook. You can uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, on iTunes, on 
on Spotify, on Stitcher, a whole bunch of other places. If you want to suggest a movie for us to do, you can do so on patreon.com slash the cinephiles. We'd love to hear your suggestions. If you want to reach me, you can reach me on Twitter at SR Morris. John, where could they reach you? You guys can always reach me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. See all the stuff I'm doing there, all the stuff on Collider. Uh, listen, I'm covering sports now. Wrestling, oh, that's right. All this stuff that's going on in my world. And I've expanded past movies. I'm still doing uh, movie talk on the network. Is still doing doing top uh, ten. Top ten. Yeah, I'm still doing. And Outlaw Nation is probably going to go on hiatus for a while. I've, I've got another show that's coming out soon. I'm going to announce soon new podcast. That'll be fun. But yeah, I'm always doing stuff. So follow me there. The Outlaw Nation will never die. Well, sure. The we nation, are st- strong. I'm a member of that. You nation. are. We are I appreciate it's a strong that. nation. The nation is strong. There yeah. will be another uh, iteration. It's like of it, a I sleeping think. giant. <laughs> Someday it will rise again. That's right. Like the Ali. What does it say in the when we were kings? You can wake up that the <laughs> sleeping giant. You can do whatever you want to sleep on a sleeping elephant. <laughs> One sleeping elephant wakes up. It tramples everything. It sees. So we shall see what will happen with the Outlaw Nation. But anyway, follow me at at the roca says you can see all the stuff i'm doing uh and i'm having a great time right now with all the a varied amount of uh subjects i get to talk about on multiple shows so that's awesome dude very blessed. all right so uh that's it for this week we will see you next time on the cinema wait oh i want to say one last thing oh. steve morris yes we did this in honor of aretha franklin yes do you have a favorite aretha franklin song Think from this. From this, this is really your favorite Aretha Franklin song. I mean, look, I, I, I'm t- I, I will go back to that version of Natural okay. Woman that she did that literally had me weeping today. Right. I obviously I love Respect. I love. I mean, there's so many of them that are great, mm-hmm. but there's some about this moment in the Bliss Brothers I just love. It's, it's it pops in my head all the time. What okay. about you? Uh, it's Natural Woman. Just oh, the great. way she sings that song is like, damn, it is so moving and powerful. And you're right, that that version is incredible. Uh, and she's a lady that. You know, just incredible music that really gets you into the right mood for whatever you're in the mood for. Yeah. Just much love to her. And uh, we lost an incredible artist, but artists who gave us many years of of great hits. Six decades of of music. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. That's it for this week. (laughs) We'll see you next time on The Cinephiles. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.